Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. In a minute, cuz. We live. We live. We This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, where we will be live streaming today's press conference, introducing Dwight Howard at noon Eastern time. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. We are at all these press conferences now, Doug. You are you're really getting out there doing the legwork for us. It's well, it's, listen, it's important that we have the latest and the best information on what's going on with this team. So that's what from we the source. listen. That's what we promise to provide uh, from the start of this show, and we will continue to do that uh, every day, every day. David, I've got some unfortunate news to kick off this show. Mm. I I am not a fan of this year's Hornets draft cap. This is very. You you said you were. You were all in. You wanted one. We now, just I'm, talked about this. I'm flip flopping. What happened? Well, for, here's what fitted? happened. Here's what fitted? happened. You don't like fitted? For, no, it's not fitted. It's there's it's a snapback. Oh, okay. It's from the 950 collection. New era hat. I normally Slay. love new era hats. Yeah. From afar, it looked great, but up close, there there are too <laughs> many textures going on. You have to be very careful with textures. And hats. It had a felt brim, which didn't scare me away. But the the scaly honeycomb on uh-huh. the on the meat of the hat, the top of the hat, uh, the back strap felt super cheap. And I'm not a fan of logos and such that are attached and not part of the hat itself, not stitched in. It's Ooh. it's it's like something you sort of stick on top of a birthday cake. This is Where definitely was that? The, the main logo. Was that yeah, the on the front. The front oh, okay. logo so is got... it's 3D. You know, essentially, it's a little you piece went... of plastic. You got these in hand. Yeah, I touched it. Oh man, yeah, yeah. The, the I'm normally, brightness. and the thing is, I love the draft hats because I there's a lot to like about them. Normally, just not a big fan of this one. Well, the sequiny nature to these hats, I think, was what a lot of people were uh, questioning, or at least wanted to see up close. So, it was definitely a well, made-for-TV hat. That's why I initially liked it. The color think? was cool. I do. I think the sheen, it, it looked great on television, I thought. And then mm-hmm. when you got it up close and you touched it, there's a metaphor here, David. The Hornets and all NBA teams, for that matter, hope that these young men that they've drafted Will will stand up to close to, to close scrutiny that they aren't just you, made for TV. When you get your hands on them, right? You you don't want you want all one material. I got you. Um, should we talk about the other you know uh, gear related news item? Sure. Really quickly that that kind of that kind of busted open last night. Sure. Um, yeah, I tweeted out that link and sent it over to you. But um, the guys over at NiceKicks.com posted a picture of what could be. What is a Hornets jersey? It says Charlotte on it. It has the Jumpman logo. We just don't know how um, legitimate fish. or official it is. Although I will say this, 
That's a throwback Charlotte Hornets jersey. They currently sell one that looks basically the exact same with an Adidas logo on it uh, in the team store, which you could probably get a, a decent deal on now. And um, uh, president of the team, Fred Whitfield, did confirm earlier this offseason that they would be doing some throwback right. type yeah. stuff this season. Yeah, I think this is coming, whether or not it's like this season. Um, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. It makes sense. But uh, again, we'll just wait to hear for certain from the team. And then I went a little deep, deeper dive on this and just tried so to figure deep. out. You remember when they came back originally, right? They had a logo and they updated it. And, and basically the word was, you know, the leaks said they, they couldn't just go directly back to the old logos and designs. Right. So that's why they had to update it. And, and, and I'm assuming that's, you know, what birthed the new uniforms and the like. So the, I think these would fit into the hardwood classics collection. I, I think is where this falls and like teams will wear that like six or eight times or something throughout the season. Like the, um, you know, like the Pacers will wear that like Hickory high uniform mm -hmm. and there's like, I don't know, a handful of teams that wear it every year. So we'll just wait and see. Although I did see, um, the nice, the nice kicks account, um, and Matt over there, they posted that these Nike jerseys and the Jordan brand jerseys, Doug, this may be uh, a bit of a disappointment for you. Won't be available until October first. Yeah, that's the rule. And we don't know if this is Purchase. going to be a, a game worn type of thing. It could be just an no, exclusive yeah. buy. We just don't know at this point. But when we yeah. do, we will bring it to you. Hey, this show is brought that's to you by our friends at SeatGeek. Use our promo code LO Hornets uh, when you download the SeatGeek app to get twenty dollars off your first purchase. So that was our style segment. David, are you ready to talk some basketball? All right, Malik Monk and Dwayne Bacon, the Hornets' new rookies, made their way to Charlotte on Friday and were officially introduced to the media. And it got off to an interesting start. Uh, before we begin, I'd like to uh, welcome to the Hornets family um, Malik Monk and Dwayne Wade. We're, uh, <laughs> Malik Monk and Dwayne Bacon. So, David, you've seen that all over Sports Center. He did later say that he thought uh, Dwayne Bacon's game had some D Wade qualities and a little Joe Johnson as well, a little ISO Joe game for Dwayne Bacon. Bacon definitely showed off an ability to score on his own while at Florida State. A lot of that had to do with the fact that he rebuilt his shot from the ground up. I had a chance to chat with him about what was involved with that and what work is left to do. Be a lot of formation um, and a rotation. Uh, it's, it's definitely still some work to do on the shot, and I'm working as we speak. Coach Cliff told me, he, you know, I have a great form and stuff, but there's a couple, you know, a couple things that he feel like their shooting coach can, can change, and uh, and I'm willing to open in to going in and working with him. I can't wait to you know start work and, and get to a new level with my shot. David Bacon is on a non-guaranteed deal. What will he have to do to make a team with very few roster spots left to fill? Great question, Doug. I mean, I think certainly if you can hit the shots, that's a big piece of it. And he was a scorer in college, just like Monk was. You know, they got two guys that were used to being the guy on offense and who could fill it up. But I think Bacon was also drafted because he can guard multiple positions. And with his size and length and his wingspan, um, is that the last time we're going to say wingspan? Because we said it a lot over the last like two and a half months. It's, pretty, it's could... pretty close to retirement, I think, at this point. We'll put it, we'll put it in a box and stick it in the attic for a while. Right, right. But, uh, you know, the difference between he and Monk as far as like trying to make the roster, and obviously Monk's going to make the roster, but like 
Monk, um, you know, needs to add some defense and show that he can do that. I think Bacon can really earn himself a spot by committing to being a, a defensive guy on the wings, uh, along with, you know, doing some good things on offense. So I think that's what a lot, big piece why they drafted him, though. It wasn't just the scoring. It was the fact that at 6'6", 6'10", wingspan, he can go out there and cause some problems. And they needed to add some guys like that, some 3 and D guys that could guard several spots. So I think that's one uh, place where he can shine. Also had a chance to hear from Coach Clifford on both Malik Monk and Bacon. He was impressed with Monk's scoring ability, skill level, ability to create space and work off the ball. But defense was something that was missing from the initial praise, though he did say that after watching film from both Monk and Bacon, they have the potential. Uh, and they're both, uh, you know, I, watching them play, they're both competitive and they both have a feel for how to play. If you can do that, there's no reason that you can't play defense. So, David, between defense and playmaking, two things that are a question mark surrounding Malik Monk, which skill would you like to see Malik develop most over the course of his summer and training camp heading into his first NBA season? I mean, I guess the playmaking aspect of it is what you want to see out of Monk, um, because if he's going to play any point guard at all, you know, that would help to have that in in his arsenal. And we talked about his athleticism and Clifford mentioned it there. I mean, a guy that we talk about a lot from Hornets years past is Jeremy Lin, who wanted to play defense. It was a smart basketball player and who gave the effort and buy in. And like, that's really all you need. Uh, when you're in the hands of Steve Clifford to become just an effective uh, defender, certainly in the team defense situation, right? So, I mean, Monk, his athleticism is off the charts. And uh, if you haven't watched any of his highlight tapes yet, I highly suggest you do because they're ridiculous. And I didn't have the full grasp of them, to be honest with you, just from his one year at Kentucky. But, yeah, yeah, I think uh, for Monk, they definitely – because they're going to try him a little bit at, at point guard in summer league, right? Yeah, that's the big news uh, from the Summer League uh, news that we have later on is that uh, you spoiled Uh, it, David. Spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) That, yes, Monk will get some action at point guard, and I think that's going to be very important for a variety of reasons. One specific reason that I want to get to in, in just a second. But first, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing, difficult process at times for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and the problem is none of the older ticket sites want to do anything about it. But my friends, SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app for your phone and a website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. The app tells you where the best deals are by searching a variety of ticket sites, saving you time and money They do all the work. That's the key. And uh, David, I might use SeatGeek. Actually, I'm definitely going to use SeatGeek to get my tickets for uh, the Big Three tournament that's coming up in Charlotte, July. I've been on the fence about whether I was going to attend this and just seeing the tweets uh, from from the event yesterday because it's not on television live for whatever reason. It'll be you on the night. Fox Sports running Bassmasters Classic or something instead of running opposite, the big three. Opposite the awards show tonight. So which one will you watch? <laughs> well, that's actually okay. That's a good question. I think I might watch Big Three. <laughs> I think I might watch this big award three show well. being right now is ridiculous. I want to talk about that later on in the show too. Yeah. But here's the best part about SeatGeek. Our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter promo code LOHORNETS, that's L-O-HORNETS. SeatGeek will send you $20 
after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the Seeky app and enter promo code LOHORNETS today. And that big three tournament happening July 2nd. Mm. So. so, Doug, do you think – I mean, everybody's always got to add defense or would like to have defense when you're playing on this team and for Clifford. But for Monk, what do you think? I mean, would you rather see some flashes of natural point guard skills or his ability to you know, shut down some people in some league? Well, I don't. Well, I don't think he's going to be a guy who can necessarily shut down anyone. I think you want him to be mm-hmm. competent defensively, and then. I, but I think to get to the next level, to where he wants to go, I think he will have to show an ability to to be a playmaker. Now he doesn't have to be, you know, a, a Chris Paul type of of distributor. Uh, but yeah. I, I think he has to be a. The, the, the here's the important part: the offense cannot shut down when he gets the basketball. Right, which it has in the past. Right, there are yes, it, it there are players in the past that have been ball stoppers on this team, especially off the bench. That can't happen, I think, if if this team wants to have success next season, and if Malik wants to have se- success. Ooh la la! In the future, you know <laughs> what I'm saying. All right, let's yeah. get to let's get to our guest for this show. He is deputy deputy editor of For the Win, Adi Joseph, amazing friend of the show. Smart basketball guy. We talked about Dwight Howard, Malik Monk, and much, much more around the Charlotte Hornets. Take a listen. Adi, it's been an eventful few days here in Charlotte. They've added Dwight Howard, and they've drafted Malik Monk. What does this signal to you about the front office and the direction of this team? Well, they have the two really big names. I mean, uh, certainly Dwight Howard was is obviously a huge name in the NBA, and Malik Monk is, was probably one of the most prominent, well-known draft picks, at least during the college basketball season. So there's certainly a name value there. And uh, fans, I think, who who maybe didn't want them to go after guys they hadn't heard of as much should be pretty happy there. But I think this is an interesting set of moves because what it really is is it's buying low on a couple very talented people who have very flawed games. And in that sense, I like it. And I think that there's a lot of potential there. Were they the moves that I would have made? No, not exactly. But, you know, I understand and I respect the approach of when you can get Malik Monk, a guy graded out by a lot of people as top seven, top eight prospect in this draft. When you can get him all the way down at 11, you just take him no matter the fit. Well, let's go. Let's start with Dwight Howard. What is he at this point in his career, both his game and, and his sort of off the court reputation? I get a sense that Steve Clifford might disagree with me here, but um, I think my answer would be that Dwight would be the best backup center in the league. Uh, that's how I would use him. If it were if it were me, I would put Dwight on the court for twenty to thirty minutes a game, depending on the game. You know, he ends up averaging around twenty-four. Plays a little bit with Cody, but mostly without Cody, uh, and get, lets Cody stay fresh because. Lord knows that kid takes enough falls and injuries and hits to things. Let's Cody stay fresh and dominate second units. And I think that's the way that they're going to end up finding he's, he works best, even if they start the season by having him as a starter. And the fact that uh, this is a point that I stress a lot. When you, when you sign a new free agent, when you trade for a new player, when you draft a player, how much you gave up for him or how much the value was, of say a draft pick um, that changes how you use a player. If Malik Monk had been a top three pick, he would have had to be a starter because you don't draft a guy in the top three and not start them unless you're a team like the Celtics maybe. But 
because Malik Monk was the 11th pick, he doesn't have to be a starter, at least not right away. Because Dwight Howard was essentially traded for literally nothing. I mean, they gave away two small pieces of their bench who are both on bad contracts to get Dwight Howard. They don't have to start him. They don't have to build anything around him. They can make him into the best version of himself and only use what he's good at. Well, people have been talking about Steve Clifford as the Dwight Howard whisperer, and that would be quite a whispering job if they could convince Dwight Howard of of moving to the bench because I, I don't know if the perception that the rest of the league has about Dwight Howard is necessarily the same perception that Dwight Howard has about himself and his game. I'm not sure that that Dwight Howard has accepted the the, the twilight of his career necessarily. Or at least it didn't yeah, seem that at least it didn't seem that couple, way in Atlanta. Yeah, there were a couple reality checks for him the last two years. The Hawks managing to get him for seventeen million in an off season where much less decorated I mean Ian Mahindy got a bigger contract than Dwight Howard. Timothy Moscow got a bigger contract than Dwight Howard. So that was probably a little bit of a reality check, but he could maybe say, Well, I took a hometown discount or something like that. But then to have his hometown team trade him for nothing, uh, trade him just to get him off their roster, not even for salary cap relief, really, that's got to be a reality check for him. And if the Hornets aren't using that as both a point of motivation and a point of uh, sort of ego check, then I think that you know it, they're doing it wrong, frankly. They're playing into Dwight's ego, which has not been a good idea over the last seven years. Um, instead of playing into that, then, then they're making a mistake because, like you said, most of this league knows that Dwight Howard's not as good as Dwight Howard thinks he is. And uh, Steve Clifford, as a Dwight Howard whisperer, I, I just hope he realizes he can't whisper a back into being healthy. All right, let's go back to the draft. You you got your uh, grade book out for the f- four for the win and gave the Hornets a B for the Monk pick. What's the story behind the grade? Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people disagree with me there. Uh, I was lower on Monk than just about everyone. Um, I didn't even on my final my, my final big board. I didn't even have Monk in the top uh, twelve. I had him thirteenth, I believe. Um, so I was lower on Monk than everyone for one. But the bigger thing is. Can Malik Monk and Kemba Walker play together? Um, I'm not sure. I think Monk's only asset really is, gonna, is, is his scoring. Uh, he hasn't proven particularly good at any other aspect of basketball. He is a electrifying scorer, though. So if he's coming off the bench all the time, that's great, except you want a guy coming off the bench to be able to play with your point guard and not end up with the smallest backcourt in the league really struggling to defend other teams' backcourts and the that's where my big issue is, is that that's kind of where he differs from Donovan Mitchell, who is the guy I would have picked and who has legitimate wingspan and athleticism to make up for his lack of size. Whereas Monk is just a great athlete, but has a very short wingspan, very slender body, doesn't have the ability to guard twos the way Mitchell would have. Uh, so you think Donovan Mitchell is the best pick that they could have made with the players available? With the players available, yeah. I mean, they were definitely hoping, and I fully agree with them hoping, that I think it kind of became obvious Frank Nielakina wasn't going to fall to them, but they were kind of hoping that Dennis Smith might, and I think he would have been a great fit because he can play off the ball and because he has a very fiery competitiveness, and and Kemba probably would have liked him and wouldn't have minded having him play point guard next to him sometimes and switching on, on and off ball, but... 
Um, given the players that were available, I thought Mitchell was a better player and a better fit than Monk. I know most people did not think he was a better player, so I don't mind. I can't kill them on the pick because Monk was widely perceived to be the best available player. Yeah, I think I think Monk probably has the higher upside because I always felt that Donovan Mitchell w- would probably be locked in to a really really good role player. Like that was the that was the ceiling. Whereas I think uh, most people view Monk as someone that could potentially be a, a star because of his ability to hit tough shots and that athleticism. If that can translate uh, to the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm really low on Monk <laughs> compared to everyone else. I think his upside That's is good. Is I wish I had known that before. We could have gotten you in here and, and gave the. <laughs> I'm glad we got you now yeah. though to give that alternative take because honestly, it um, is the, the positive I, take is pervasive uh, in Charlotte and outside yeah. of Charlotte as well. Yeah, I think I, I my my view of Monk's upside is six man of the year potential twenty point scorer off the bench who you don't really want to start because when he's in, he's best if the offense is running through him. And the question is, is a 6'3 guy with a 6'3 wingspan who doesn't play point guard really a guy who you want the offense to run through on your first team? No, not really. But if you put him in a Jamal Crawford situation, if you put him in the uh, like what the Knicks did in J.R. Smith's best season, um, if you put him into a situation like that, a Lou Williams situation, off the bench, being a dominant scorer off your bench, he can fill the basket. There's no question about that. And he's a great athlete, so maybe that great athleticism is what takes him into another level and makes him into a starting caliber player and uh, gives him other things he can do as he toughens up and strengthens up. So pending the addition of a replacement-level player at backup point guard, let's just assume they get sort of a net neutral at the backup point guard position, someone that does complement Kimba Walker somewhat. Have the Hornets done enough in your mind to get back to the playoffs this season? Well, they, they would have been a playoff team if Cody had been healthy last year. And they just addressed his backup issue, which was a major issue. Um, certainly was one of the impediments of their whole season. And uh, so, yeah, I think I think it's a playoff caliber basketball, bas- basketball team, no question. Um, bigger question is whether this is a better team than they had two years ago. And a lot of that is going to rely on what we've talked about in the past, Nick Batum and Marvin Williams, can they shoot well again? Can they shoot like they did two years ago instead of last year? Um, Can these other guys, you know, can Frank Kaminsky take a step up? Can Cody Zeller take a step up from actually having a really good season last year? Can he become more of a productive player? Or is this just this sort of super no stats type player, all he's ever going to be? And that's, so those are questions about roster development, but they don't have money. Um, they're not going to get a superstar in free agency or anything like that. Trades, I, I think they view their players so highly. They view Michael Kidd-Gilchrist too highly to trade him. They're not going to get a value that they're going to want to deal Michael Kidd-Gilchrist for, if that's part of what Hornets fans are hoping to see. Um, same thing with Batum to some degree, and uh, definitely with, with Marvin Williams, I think that is probably the most likely player to be traded only because a lot of teams want a guy like that i also went around the association with adi getting his thoughts on draft day trades where guys like paul george and blake griffin will end up in free agency and more it's all on our patreon page patreon is a way you can support 
this great Hornets coverage you listen to daily and get access to exclusive content for as little as $1 a month. That's a buck a month. Cup of coffee. You can become a hardcore Hornets fan and help keep our hive alive. Visit patreon.com slash L-O-H. There's a link in the description of this episode. Great stuff from Adi Joseph there. Thanks again to him. David, Adi was very low on the Malik Monk pick. A rare take amongst both national and local media. What say you about his concerns? And really, like he was more, he was lower just on his, on Monk's ceiling, right? I mean, I, like as far as like the actual pick goes, I think he admit, he landed where everybody was, right? It was just a, probably too good of a, a value to to pass up there, which makes sense. But I mean, I think some of the concerns are valid and and um, are are real. He did like Donovan Mitchell a whole lot, um, which was which was interesting to hear a guy that we certainly championed uh, leading up to the draft. But yeah, I mean, the the concerns for for Monk are real and. Um, so I think that's something that he's going to have to prove, but definitely a, a more downplayed review than, than we've gotten uh, other places, even nationally, Doug, because I mean, the pick's been graded out pretty high across the board. It's a little freeing in a way, I think, because we've heard so many positive takes. I, I'm not low on the pick. Obviously, he topped my Hornets big board even higher than Dennis Smith Jr., but the and Hornets, fit, yeah, and, and fit, I guess, is some of his concern. Yeah, yeah, and I think he he topped that board because of his star potential. But the Hornets once again get a guy that fell several spots off his projection, and mm-hmm. it is different, but reminiscent of the Noah Vonley situation several years ago. Different in that there is more tape on Malik Monk. We're we're more confident that we know what Malik Monk can do. More success from Monk, but similar in that there is always a reason that a guy falls and that reason is not always immediately apparent because the Intel that these teams do is so secretive. Yeah. And you know, what makes me feel better about Monk. One of the things does that certainly the Vonley pick, but really any of the other options, I guess outside of Donovan Mitchell, but when you're, when I'm looking at these players, right. And when we went back and looked over all these scouting tapes for the last month or so, um, and you start to see guys that just jump out at you. And when they do, they kind of stick in your mind. Like John Collins jumped out at me. Donovan Mitchell jumped, jumped out at us. But, I mean, Monk really jumps off the page. You can tell when he's playing in these games, he's at a different level than just about everyone else on the court from a skill set, right? From an offensive set, like he is above and beyond most guys that he played um, against uh, in college at Kentucky, one of the highest levels in the game. And that's something David Locke mentioned in one of his podcasts leading up to the draft was like, it's hard enough to scout these guys, but when you see a guy that's that just um, is, is head and shoulders above the competition, it's easier to kind of at least see him with a future in the NBA. And that's where Monk was for me and, and why they had to draft him where they did, because he was really the last guy in that group that said, look, yeah, like you said, Doug, like we there's not as much uncertainty with what we know he should be able to do in the NBA and that score. Um, it's just what else can he add to his game and, and you know, how consistent can he be? Yeah, I got to thinking about Malik Monk's defensive abilities and maybe the potential that he has as a defender. And I thought about what Steve Clifford said and and what he said in the past in terms of defense, which is so much of it is commitment and discipline and and want to. And then I thought about Clay Thompson because we have been just overwhelmed by his defensive ability over the past couple of years. It's been a key cog in the Golden State Warriors machine, his ability from the shooting guard position to really just shut down 
the the opposing the best opposing wing on the other team. And I went back and looked at Clay Thompson's scouting report. Now I will say that Thompson played uh, small forward in college, and he's six 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 eight wingspan, so a completely different body type than Malik Monk, who is six three with about a six four wingspan. So they're obviously going to be physical limitations for Malik Monk. But here's some things that were said about Clay Thompson at the time that he came out of school. There were concerns about his ability to drive to the basket because he was sort of a string bean coming out of college. Hey, that's that sounds familiar. <laughs> concerns about his defense and one-dimensionality. And now he's one of the most respected defense defenders in the league. Uh, so what does that say to me? That says that if if Clay Thompson can take what he did in college and then become the defender that he is in the NBA, that it's quite possible for anyone. And I think you saw part of the reason that that happened was because Clay moved from the three to the two. So I wonder if a lot of this success that Malik Monk will have defensively hinges on how well he can translate down to the point guard position and competently play the one. Not amazingly play the one, but just run an offense and be able to defend those ones that he's going to be going up against. So that's yeah, my thought. Thing, and one thing that stuck out uh, stuck out to me during that press conference on Friday, Doug, was just the competitive nature and the confidence of both of those guys, right? Like, I don't see them backing down from many challenges no. uh, once they get into working with this team. And, uh, I mean, they just want to get out, get out there and prove themselves. And I don't think that's limited to one side of the ball, you know, uh, I think they're going to be going after guys. And so a lot of times that can just help you on defense in and of itself. Um, so I think the competitive nature of these guys is really going to help them. And it's just like, isn't that the main complaint or the main drawback we hear from so many of these guys coming out of college, especially, you know, these 19 year old uh, freshmen that played one year, it's like, well, sometimes they weren't engaged on defense all the time. And, and, um, I just don't know that you can tell. It's just like, who knows? I mean, uh, you know, like a guy like Dennis Smith got that knock, but his coach was halfway out the door in February. And, um, you know, other guys got similar labels put on them. So I think if you have the athleticism and the competitive drive, that gets you a long way. And I feel better about guys like that, um, that you have to kind of, uh, you know, give, give them a few pointers on defense, but they have all the tools. Another interesting thing that Adi said in that interview was that with both Dwight Howard and Malik Monk, the Hornets once again were buying low in the metaphorical. Yeah, yeah, it's it's in a metaphorical sense with Dwight Howard because he's on a twenty three million dollar deal. So that's (laughs) that's buying. That's expensively buying low. Uh, But this is something that the Hornets have done for years, David. They've they've tried to address uh, depth in a way that's low risk relatively and they did that last season with Roy Hibbert and Marco Bellinelli, and it didn't really work out. So what are your what are your thoughts there on on that take by Adi? Yeah, redemption season hopefully is back. Um it, it it's weird for them for the monk pick to be buying low even though he did slide and I guess I think yeah, uh, that would be his right. Um but I mean certainly Howard, yeah. I mean, jeez, you know, he mentioned all the all the all the uh, trades and what he's been acquired for over the last two transactions. Right. And it's not what it was a couple of years ago. So I don't see how you can look at that transaction any other way than to say they're buying low and hoping for a redemption season. And that Steve Clifford is the Dwight Howard whisperer, right? 
Well, that's going to be very important. I think you and I have been, over the past couple of shows, been digging into Dwight Howard's game on the court. We haven't done a ton in terms of talking about some of the issues that he had uh, that he's had in, in locker rooms. And Chris Vivlamore of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution recently did a good job of sort of highlighting some of those, uh, some of those issues that he had in Atlanta in terms mm-hmm. of uh, got a speeding ticket uh, before game six of that playoff series. Uh, he, uh, you know, tends to, during big losses, uh, doesn't answer questions from the media, sort of leaves his, his teammates to answer questions. That was the insinuation right. from Viv Lamore, who, you know, is the, the, the best basketball beat writer uh, in Atlanta. So if anyone's going to know, it's going to be Chris. So, yeah. you know, these I type, mean, these, I just, those type of things might happen, uh, regardless <laughs> of whether Clifford is a uh, Dwight Howard whisperer or not. Uh, and, well, to and, be uh, honest, they're, they're more likely to happen, right? I mean, just given his overall uh, make, I mean, the, the overall career, career trajectory and, and what's going on in other places. But I think the Hornets have to continue to do that somewhat, especially um, you know, this off season, like there weren't a lot of options, right? I mean, so buying low on a Dwight Howard, uh, was one way to improve the team. I mean, being where they are in a small market and they're going to have to take some chances somewhere. And that's what they've done up until last year, uh, had some success too. Yeah. It's, it's just different. They are buying low certainly, but in the past they've bought low on players that were a little low risk and, mm-hmm. and players that sort of represented the personalities of the the rest of the locker room, like Roy Hibbert was sort of low-key, uh, Marco Bellinelli kind of low-key. Uh, Dwight Howard, I, I don't think you can describe him as low-key. You can describe him as a lot of things, but low-key, yeah. uh, not one but, of them. And also got to be the least amount of pressure he's had in a situation in his career, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, Orlando, L.A., Houston, even Atlanta was a hometown, right? And that, that was, was the big pressure, like, yeah. Yeah, so... So it'll be an interesting new situation for him. Summer League is just around the corner, David, and the roster is beginning to round out. Shemek Karnowski, Mango Mathiang, Anthony Gill, Ty Webster, Quinton Stevens will be joining the current Hornets, Briante Weber, Trevion Graham, and Johnny O'Brien, and newly drafted Hornets, Malik Monk and Dwayne Bacon in Orlando. And as we said at the beginning of the show, according to head coach Steve Clifford, newly drafted guard Malik Monk will get a chance to show off some of his point guard skills in Orlando, uh, it summer league begins Saturday, July first. Charlotte taking on Miami at eleven o'clock a.m. David, this is one of my favorite parts of summer league: breakfast basketball. Oh my god, I'm so excited for the summer league last Little year. Hoops and huevos. Yeah, last year wasn't a lot of excitement <laughs> around around the ball summer and bacon. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're you're here. You fired up your puns. Um, yeah, dude, this is gonna this is gonna be fun. I think. I mean, uh, the, the excitement around that with Monk and Bacon out there and Karnowski. Come on now, love it. The seven uh, was seven <laughs> three three hundred. I think is the is the listing for for Karnowski. Going to be a huge presence out there. And is Karnowski is he taking that beard to Orlando? Somewhere? I hope so. Karnowski in a box, and then he just sticks it on. Karnowski, <laughs> Mathiang, and Ty Webster all worked out for the Hornets. So again, these workouts, a chance for teams to uh, bring some guys on to summer league and uh, uh, look at, give them a further look. And I think Trevion Graham played for the Hornets summer league before joining the team mm-hmm. uh, officially a few years back. And Anthony Gill, local guy. That's true. There are a couple of, another couple of interesting 
names to watch in summer league. The Knicks and the Mavericks will be there in Orlando. So you've got possibly Neil Aquina. I'm not sure if he'll play or not because he just got done with this French league championship. I mean, it was like on and in and around draft night. night. Yeah, so, yeah. So I don't know if he'll play or not, but then you've got uh, Mavericks, Dennis Smith. Yep. You've got Orlando. Who do Orlando? Isaac. Yeah. Jonathan Isaac, right? Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, Terrence Ferguson. Yeah. Oklahoma City Thunder. Luke Kennard. Yeah, for Detroit, Detroit Pistons. Detroit Pistons. Nice. Who did the Pacers grab? I'm testing our short-term memory here. The Indiana Pacers are there as well, and they selected... TJ Leaf and E.K. Anabugo. That's why I didn't remember. So they got the UCLA bigs. <laughs> okay. Was there a UCLA big draft? Okay. All so right. that's interesting. We got the Hornets kicking off the day there. First game of the of the uh, of the of the entire league. Yeah, make sure Hornets you subscribe Miami. to Locked On Hornets on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast for continued coverage of the 2017 Summer League. NBA awards are tonight on TNT. David, how big of a mistake was it to hold off the awards until now? It appears to be a horrible mistake and a total disaster. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about the MVP. Nobody cares cares? about Rookie of the Year. This was disastrous. This is uh, these award shows. Honestly, we've already talked about them, but yeah, it's who should and will win MVP. Just real quick before we go. Uh, I'm I'm not going against Westbrook now. Now it's and that's part of the reason why this was so stupid is because now all of these reporters have leaked their. We know it's going to be Westbrook. Westbrook will win. I think he should win because I think the triple-double season, I've heard all the arguments for James Harden that he makes his other teammates better, um, You know that he's just a better, more efficient offensive player. Don't care. Don't care. Yep, both fantastic. But look at that series, Doug. If Westbrook isn't out there, first of all, they're not in the playoffs, I don't think. And uh, Houston didn't exactly get an MVP-type performance from uh, Harden and they still won that series pretty handily. So that's not that I needed that, but that was kind of confirmation for me. All right. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks to our guest, Adi Joseph. Thanks to our sponsor, SeatGeek. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. We're back tomorrow with sound from today's Dwight Howard press conference, plus a look at the depth chart and the options the Hornets have to fill that backup point guard position. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Charlotte.